This week on the show, we talk about Arena Bowl 31 and our trip to Hamilton, Ontario. In this week's history lesson, we're going to talk about the history of the wishbone formation. Never heard of it. That and much more stuff you probably never heard of this week in the world of football. Hello? You play to win the game. Personal foul. I'll pick this up. On number 99 of the defense, after he tackled the quarterback, he's giving them business down there. That's a 15-yard penalty. Hey, look out there. You want to get hyped? We're going to throw a forward pass. Signal. 18-72-4-5-6-0. You're listening to This Week in the World of Football, presented by theworldoffootball.com. Promoting the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. And now, on with the show. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of This Week in the World of Football the only show that covers all aspects of the football world in one action-packed podcast. From the NFL to the CFL, college, indoor, and arena football, we expose our listeners to all the various forms of football being played throughout the year. All this while keeping an eye on the rich history of the game. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table from me, as always, is my son, Adam. Hi, how you doing? Great. Another great day here in Michigan. The penultimate episode before the one-year anniversary show. That's right. We come to you each week from the World of Football Man Cave, located in the center of the world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. This is episode 51 for July 31st, 2018. Yep, can't believe it. We've been doing this for 51 weeks. Next week will be one year. Yep, we're going to have a very special episode next week. Is it? How special is it going to be? Very special, son. Very special. I look forward to you doing it. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on either iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. You can also contact us on our Facebook and Twitter pages at TWOF Kalamazoo or send us an email. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. And now let's review what happened this past week with the World of Football scoreboard. That's right. We're going to start things off with the biggest game of the weekend, Arena Bowl 31, which saw the Washington Valor upset the Baltimore Brigade 69 to 55 and those of you who have been following along with us know the washington valor won only two games this season three including their postseason win last week against the albany empire This this was the team we've been talking about all season long they have not played bad they only won two games but they were in most of the games they played uh not a bad team even though the other teams were all you know tied for first place in divisions uh you know the Three out of the four were all tied. And then you've got Washington at 2-10. and ten. But not a bad team. And it was anybody's uh, yeah, playoffs. Between the, the way the format was, the fact that you only have four teams, mm-hmm. th- this kind of thing was screaming to happen. And we've mm-hmm. been saying this for a while. We've said even this bad team could easily make it to the Arena Bowl and maybe yep. win it. Yep. And uh, I was rooting for chaos. I got chaos. <laughs> you sure did. And – Congratulations to the Washington Valor and the optics. You know, for those who haven't followed the Arena League, would see a two and uh, ten win, t- like two and ten win team, like yep. won the championship. How is that possible? But yeah. I, the way the playoffs were set up, yeah. they had a home and home series, so each each team played another team. Number number one played number four, 
and they had a home-and-home series. So they had two chances to beat this team. Um, they had an aggregate scoring system, so the combined score of the two games is what's, what determined who was going on. So you could lose the first game, right. but win the second game by more points, and you would advance to the Arena Bowl. Correct. And uh, that's how we got the two, the two finalists, Baltimore and Washington. And Baltimore had its chances, but Washington just was on a mission. Yes, they were. And uh, the Arena Bowl MVP was Washington's quarterback, Arvell Nelson, who, threw, who had five rushing touchdowns and three passing touchdowns during the game. Uh, and owner Ted Leonis Leonsis. Leonsis also owns the NHL franchise, Washington Capitals, which won the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, so uh, Cup, uh, big victor there, uh, Mr. Leonsis. <laughs> Leonsis. Leonsis, Leonsis, <laughs> tomato, tomato. But – I mean, good for them. Good for the city of Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to go on the road to Baltimore to do it, but you know they proved that hey, no come playoff. This time. is this is the underdog story, yeah. and uh, you will live uh, forever in arena football history because of this. But the other side of the coin is the optics of the arena football league having a two and ten win team win your championship right. game, and uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of negative stuff. You know, people saying, "Oh, how can you? How can a two-win team yeah. win a championship game?" Well, they don't understand how this was all set up. It, True, it's it, a, but I think it is a temporary blemish. I mean, for those of us who have followed it and stayed loyal to the Arena League, we know and we understand that this league is growing, and we figured maybe this was a possibility. And I bet you the league knew that too. Like there was this possibility that they had to maybe sit through and go through. But I think if this is the turning point for the league, and they could start adding more teams. I mean. This will just be a fun little uh, arena football history fact. Yeah. And in 10 years, uh, you'll probably be spewing off a history lesson <laughs> that I'll fall asleep during talking about <laughs> the 2-10 and 10 win Washington Valor's Arena Bowl championship run. Now, all these playoff games were really exciting. I mean, uh, uh, all, all four games uh, between the, the teams. Uh, just an exciting playoff format, something you don't see very often. Right. But it, it worked to the uh, Arena League's advantage this year and uh, produced a, a winner that you know, had it not been for that, odds on favorites were Albany and Philadelphia, and they did not even make the finals because Baltimore and Washington won those two game series playoff uh, games and advanced the finals. And then you've got the lowest seeded team that came out and had a great game. There's your winner. Yep, and it just shows you just getting hot, getting hot at the right time. You know, and never ever. You know, you could be two and ten on the season, but if you got a crack at the championship, you have a crack at the championship. And you got to go out and do something about that. And they they proved it. They're they're the little giants. They're uh, every uh, little kid that's you know. I was trying to think of the story from the movie, but I'm blanking. <laughs> the, the whole going down the hill and he beat him one time. All you got to do is win it yeah, one time. One and that's, time. And that's what they did. Yep. So congratulations to the Washington Valor. Only your second year in the league. Yep. Um, Along with Baltimore, they were a second year team. Yep, also. Second year team as well. So hopefully. You, you know, next year we'll get a few more teams in here. Maybe Washington can prove the haters wrong, and maybe they'll have a successful regular season and uh, repeat again in the postseason. I'm very yeah. anxious to see uh, what happens next year. Yep. But right. for but I mean that's it for arena football. Till I mean now we're just waiting on new team announcements, yep. and that's all we got waiting. Yeah, still have not heard about uh, anything definite on the uh, Cleveland Gladiators. Gladiators yeah, that rumor we that. Uh, talked about last week. Right. Yeah, it, it was reported that they were coming back, and now the talk is that they might come back. 
it's all got to do with the construction at Quicken Loans Arena yeah. in Cleveland. So we're, we're waiting for a word on that, but hopefully we'll, we'll get some other uh, teams uh, announced here in the coming months. All right, let's uh, kind of move on to some scores from the National Arena League. Uh, we had the Jacksonville Sharks defeating the Massachusetts Pirates, 45-36. Uh, this was week 19, so next week is the last week of their regular season. Yep. Uh, and then we get the Maine Mammoths, who defeated the Columbus Lions, 42-35. Second win in a row. Yep. They're on fire, our Maine Mammoths. <laughs> and finally, in the, the third and final game of the week, Carolina Cobras over the Lehigh Valley Steelhawks, 79-28. Uh, uh, that drops the Steelhawks to 0-14 on the season. They got one more shot next week. All, all six teams are in action next week. Um, Lehigh Valley gets one last opportunity to put a win up uh, on the season. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Yep. All right, so we're going to jump into week seven action of the Canadian Football League season, which kicked off Thursday night between the Edmonton Eskimos and the Montreal Alouettes. There's a lot going into this game. Uh, Johnny Manziel had just been traded to the Alouettes, and uh, there was a uh, coach had come out and said that the plan was – get Johnny in there at some point during the game. Right. But uh, later on during the game, Johnny never set foot on the field nope. and uh, said he felt better that, you know, we'll leave him on the bench. He only had one practice under his belt and we'll wait. And uh, so I believe there is now news about Manziel, which we'll talk about after we talk about the fact that the Eskimos defeated the Alouettes 44 to 23. Yeah. News just came out a little while ago that Manziel is going to start for Montreal this week. Ironically enough, taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who he was just traded from last week. So, oh, wouldn't that be something if he put on a performance against the Tiger Cats? Yeah, and, and I'm sure the Tiger Cats will be looking to um, make his debut a rough one for him. Well, uh, uh, when we get to the Tiger Cats game, uh, we'll, uh, I might have something to say about okay. that. Okay. Right. Uh, in the second game, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who've looked really good this year, they put on a lot of points. I think mm-hmm. uh, they defeated the Toronto Argonauts forty to fourteen, and the Argonauts slip into one and five. Yeah, it's yep. just I couldn't believe this. I thought the Argonauts would at least have another strong team this year, but they've started off really slow. Yeah, and uh, they need to get things turned around soon because uh, if you want to defend that CFL trophy, the Grey Cup. Uh, you're going to have to get your act together. Yeah, time's running out for them to turn their season around, and it's only six weeks in, but, uh, uh, yeah, they need to do something uh, to get back on the winning track. And uh, before we get to the third game of the week, uh, we're going to – because that happened Saturday afternoon. We're going to talk about the Saturday night game first, which was the Calgary Stampeders continuing their undefeated season, uh, defeating the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 34-22. Calgary now 6-0 on the season. And – the British Columbia Lions are the only team this week that was on by. So we get all that out of the way because we actually attended the Saturday afternoon game in Hamilton, Ontario, between yes, the did. Ottawa Red Blacks and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. What a great time we had. It was a fun time. Uh, it, But uh, unfortunately, the home team, Hamilton Tiger Cats, lost 21-15. to uh, It was a very low-scoring game for the, for the most part. And I don't know how you want to tackle talking about the trip or the game. Well, let's, let's just start out with uh, crossing the border from Michigan. Oh, yeah. That, what a hassle that was. <laughs> uh, here in Michigan, we have what are known as uh, enhanced driver's licenses. I guess they're becoming uh, popular all over the country for various uh, Especially reasons. for states that are bordering Canada right. or 
maybe even Mexico. I don't right. even know if they're doing that. So with an enhanced driver's license, you have to go to the DMV and you take your uh, birth certificate to prove you were born here, you are an American citizen, and then they, they give you a special license that has a radio frequency tag in it, and uh, it's got a special you know United States flag which covers up part of your picture in the corner. And uh, so that, It's essentially a passport, right, but uh, right. and, a little... And it's, uh, it's only good for driving in and out of Canada. If you fly, you still have to have a passport, but for driving in and out, this driver's license is enough. And this is the first time we'd ever crossed the border with these, so I, I wasn't sure how it was going to work, were they going to give us a hassle. And uh, we crossed the bridge uh, into Canada, and we get to the other side, and... W- we had to wait a while. It was kind of busy. It was a Saturday afternoon. What was it, about about noon or so? Oh, uh, yeah, 11, somewhere around there. Maybe even a little before noon. Because yeah. uh, we got no, we got to the border about ten o'clock. Oh, ten o'clock. Yes, yeah, and we didn't about, get through the border crossing until, until like about, eleven. Yeah, until about, about eleven an hour. So anyway, uh, so we pull up there and and it tells you to display your your IDs. So you were driving and you held up both of them. And there was a a digital counter that showed two, the number two on it, which I'm assuming meant that there were two IDs that were identified or in the could, car, be, yeah. could be read. So we pull up there. He asked us a few questions, you know, where are you going, where are you coming from, uh, uh, how long you plan to be in Canada, and basically that was it, and they let us right on through. Well, well, you were missing the part before that where uh, we were stopped and uh, they're, oh, yeah. they're searching cars, and we are like, oh, man, it's just like a scene out of a movie where, like, you're pulling up and – they're searching cars and stuff, so you're like, oh, somebody's on the run. They had the drug-sniffing dogs. Yeah, there. they had the drug-sniffing dogs, and you get up, and they said they were doing training, so mm. they asked uh, me to pull my car over to the side to get checked, and uh, a very unorganized group of individuals. I get that you're yeah, training, but, a little bit. but the fact that we got told to go park over there, and when we got parked, the guy searching another car came over and was like, well, why are you parking over here? <laughs> They, they didn't tell they us you were going. To. Yeah. <laughs> we're just trying not to cause any trouble. We're just trying to get through with a, as yeah. much uh, ease as we could. And uh, so that, that was the bulk of it. We were staying there for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the first group didn't know what the second group was doing or vice versa. Yeah. They were a little disorganized, but that's why you do training, to work these things out. And so hopefully they learned a few things on yeah. this. So once we got through there, then we got to the little uh, souvenir station or where you can exchange your money, which... Right. No offense, that was the dumbest thing I had to do. I didn't use any of that money <laughs> other than to pay for parking at the game. I oh. still have $60 in Canadian uh, Monopoly money in my pocket. <laughs> I mean, you can see through the damn bills. I mean, jeez. Did you get a good look at some of those bills? Uh, I did. I still got it in my pocket. Like, Yeah, it's like clear cellophane at one point. You can you can actually look right through Yeah, can you money. hear that? I'm, I'm ruffling it around. It's got, uh, it looks like Fred Armisen in a wig. <laughs> It's got a maple leaf on it, and I can see straight through the bill yep. uh, on the right side. I mean, it's very interesting currency. A bunch of children up there north of the border, and they're play money. But I mean, what have you? You have a nice country, though. I'll give you that. Your money is another story. Yeah. But anyway, it's just different. Different as all it is. And so, what did we see? We 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 leave the uh, uh, the border crossing, and the first thing we see is a McDonald's. Yeah, you were uh, all up in arms about this McDonald's. <laughs> And, and what did the sign say? It uh, said, Try uh, a new Aussie burger. Aussie barbecue and egg burger. Yes. Aussie, I saw you post about it on Facebook. Aussie barbecue and egg burger. And I thought, that's just so odd. We've got to try one. And, and we never did. No, because I was like, we ju- we've literally been in Canada for 30 seconds. And the first thing you saw was a <laughs> McDonald's sign. And you want to pull into a McDonald's. And I'm like, we're going to keep going. Yeah. We got a schedule. Yeah. And, uh, 
So anyway, we go through, we do our normal thing, made a couple stops on the way. Yep. Uh, got really good gas mileage out of that dang car. I got to try poutine for the first time. You got to try poutine. It was excellent. Yep, and, uh, you know, I got to, well, I don't think I tried anything new. <laughs> I was just focused on getting us to the uh, the game on time, yeah. and we did. I mean, we switched driving a, mm-hmm. a couple times, but we get to the game, and the experience of the game was great. The fans were awesome. Yep. Uh, they were so friendly. Even when they were trash talking, they were friendly. My favorite <laughs> yeah. story was a, a Hamilton fan turned around to the Ottawa fan and said, "Hey, or how did he phrase it? it Why was, don't you go back home? You guys, uh, you guys need to get out of here. And go. No, I'm yeah, I'm phrasing it bad. Why am I blanking on it? Because we were standing right there. It was you so funny. I tweet, uh, well, Facebook status about it. Yeah. But it's, go back home to Ottawa. And then the guy sitting next to us, and we we were sitting next to four Ottawa fans. Right. And the guys sitting by us was like, oh, I'll go home. But after the game's over, and uh, <laughs> so they were just all, like, having fun, jawing yeah, at each other. And there was no – it, it never felt like time. when we are at a Lions-Packers game, oh my the God. animosity that's yeah. there. Like, all these guys – I guess it would have been different if it was Hamilton and Toronto. Uh, that would probably be Because I've seen a, a few uh, Argos yeah. stickers. And, uh, yeah, they, they really don't like the Argos in Hamilton. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of that, the game itself was a very low-scoring affair. It was 3-1 to one at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither offense could do a lick of anything, really. I mean, there was a couple big plays, but that was it. They'd get stalled out, and they ended up kicking field goals. Uh, and, obviously, some teams missing field goals and getting rouges, yeah. which led to the points. Yeah, the whole time we sat there, uh, field goals and rouges were all we saw. Yep, and uh, we were wondering if we were ever going to see a touchdown during the game. And... Uh, we did and we didn't at the same time, <laughs> and this is uh, where I have the biggest gripe of the uh, of the trip. Well, in Canadian and football, you're de- no, you you better start defending yourself because this is inexcusable football one on one. They have a what's known as the three minute warning instead of a two minute warning like in the NFL. They have the three minute warning, so the clock stops at three minutes. And so I said, man, it doesn't look like anybody's going to score a touchdown. And there was a souvenir that I saw on the other side of the stadium that I really wanted. So. I figured, well, let's go to the other side of the stadium uh, because I also heard an announcement saying that uh, if you wanted to go see the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, which is inside the stadium, that it was in the club level, that you had to, to go to Section 119, which was across the stadium from us also. Yeah, kitty corner. Right. And, and so I figured, well, okay, we got to go to the other side of the stadium. So at the three-minute morning warning, we'll get up, we'll go over there. So I went over, bought my souvenir, and just as we're getting to the other side, Hamilton scores a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> and we missed it. We missed seeing it live. I was so upset. <laughs> he he just had to see this Hall of Fame, and it probably wouldn't have been so bad if the Hall of Fame would not have actually been behind our seats we were originally sitting in. Hey, I heard that announcement twice, and I swear he said 119, and it turned out it was behind you, section 109. But you being the planner you are, you would have this all written out. You would have your little sticky notes and your and your – itinerary and you'd be like all right well this is where it is and i've already talked to this person through the pr department and blah 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 well you didn't do that i made contact with them to make sure that it was going to be open that day and the guy confirmed that it was going to be open after the game because it was supposed to be open earlier that day and they had a special message saying it was not going to be open so i wanted to make sure that it was you're slipping in your old age randy And Needless to say, so we got right, to see the Hall of Fame. We, we did get to see it. But we missed the only touchdown yeah. of the entire game. Yep. Never got to see a replay of it. Still haven't seen it. Oh, I did. Because I'm so upset. I, <laughs> nope, I have not gone back to look at it because I'm that upset at you about this. 
like we always talk about like we usually leave lions games early if they're getting blown out or if like we're up big just because like traffic can be a pain in the butt in detroit mm. but here we are in hamilton we were able to get a slice of pizza in 30 seconds and get to our oh, seats yeah. in like no time at halftime which yeah. blew my mind yeah the the pizza pizza uh place was right behind us so we left our seats went up got a pizza there was nobody in line Got up there, got a slice of but pizza. It was, and but a it was so crowded though; it took us forever to get up the steps. Five minutes. Yeah, we got yeah there. It was amazing. That was awesome. But uh, but yeah, like you'd think, okay, we can do that in that amount of time. But yet, you can't just wait to see the end of the game and then go look for your well Hall I was, of Fame. I was worried about uh, not and, getting there in time. And the other gripe is the Hall of Fame was a huge disappointment. Yeah, kind of. Uh, we went and saw that back in the day. I want to say about ten years ago. Yep. At least when it was downtown. When it was in Hamilton. downtown Hamilton, it was its own little facility. Sure, yep. yeah, walking around didn't take that long in there. It wasn't that big, but it, it was its own place and it had its own personality. But now you it's, could stay as long as you want. Yeah, right? but now it was we were getting rushed out. I was so upset getting rushed out because it's built into the club level, which means all the hoity-toity people that you know can have club seats have club seats get to check out like half the cool stuff, while all we got to really see are all the busts and. Maybe some pictures, but that's about it. And I was really disappointed. Uh, yeah, it was a bit disappointing, the, the, the way their Hall of Fame is set up now. Yeah. It's, and it's all down a very narrow hallway. Yeah. Uh, you know, bar- barely big enough for two people to walk through. And they've got all the busts on the wall on, on the one side. Uh, they got some pictures on the wall on the other side. Uh, in, in the club level um, uh, lounge area, I guess you'd call it, they had the Grey Cup there or, or a facsimile of the Grey Cup. Which we got know. our picture taken next to. Right. And then they had some other exhibits, but we, we didn't have time to walk around there because they only give you a limited amount of time after the game to go through this. Thing. After we got our picture with the Grey Cup uh, separately, uh, you wanted to get both of our pictures taken with it. And I was getting kicked out because I wanted to keep looking in this room and all the cool right. stuff they had. But uh, some guy in a yellow uniform told me I had to go. And I was like, fine, I'm out of here. And you kept saying, come back, we'll get our picture taken together. And I was just too upset. That whole thing was a debacle. Yeah. I think they really screwed that up. Or, or if it's not done yet, it looked like they're still working on stuff. Well, but I don't know, Hamilton. That was the game. biggest disappointment. Yeah, I, I do think that it was better off where it was downtown. But, you know, if, if the city wanted to get that building back for whatever reasons and they had to move out, um, you know, then they had to move anyway. But, yeah, just being a, a part of the stadium – I don't know. I had I had some big hopes for that. I, I thought it was going to be pretty cool. It's a lot of everything. missed potential, I think. But yeah, they. I, I think a lot of their uh, artifacts are now uh, on a traveling exhibit. Uh, uh, everything but the bus themselves are there at the stadium. Um, so they have it like a traveling exhibit that goes around to the different uh, uh, CFL cities, and and fans can see that in a, in a mobile display or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a little little disappointing. But overall. A uh, great trip. It was a very long day. Yeah. Uh, we left, uh, what, 8 o'clock in the morning. And we left. got back. I got up at the crack-ass of dawn. <laughs> couldn't sleep in. Had to come pick you up. Picked you up. Left at 8 in the morning. Who did all the driving on the way home? Me. You did, yeah. yeah. I was, I was and, tired as hell. And uh, we I got, we got home back in Kalamazoo at 2 o'clock in the morning. I appreciate that. So it was a very long day, but a lot of fun. Uh, in case you don't know what poutine is, it's uh, French fries with... Uh, beef gravy and cheese curds on it and they give you a fork to eat it with it wasn't that, that messy. Bad, actually it was pretty but good. it was darn good and i i was going to try it years ago but i didn't know how to pronounce poutine and i didn't want to look like a stupid foreigner uh by not knowing how to uh pronounce it so uh um, i got it this time and it was really good so yeah that's that's my new favorite thing 
right. now whenever I go to Canada, it's going to be, I got to have some poutine and I got to have a pizza, slice of pizza pizza. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I got for our trip as well. So yeah. thanks, Hamilton. It was actually not that bad uh, other than a couple of complaints, but yeah. Remember, the weather was great. Weather was great. All oh, weather was perfect. Sprinkled for like what? Two minutes? It was literally two minutes. Yeah, sprinkled a little bit in the stadium. We ran into a little rain on the way over there, but for the most part, it was just cloudy. It wasn't too hot. It was in the it was like, like mid sixties. Yeah. yeah. 70, oh. I think the high was seventy five, and just gorgeous. Little breeze going. What a perfect day to sit outside and watch some Canadian football. And what? And, and I want to give some credit to that stadium. I love the atmosphere there. Uh, I mean. You think of stadiums, you think of like NFL stadiums, but these right. CFL stadiums, especially this one, uh, Tim Hortons Field, uh, I love the way like in their end zones they got like two like part like well on one end particularly they had like a party zone with like barbecue and stuff and it just they just leaned into that personality of this whole barbecuing in your backyard kind of yep. uh, mentality and like there's spots all over the place where you just lean up against and like have a beer. Very beer heavy, which uh, I guess I should have expected from Canada, but I didn't see any drunks. You know, I, everybody was pretty responsible for being there. Oh, yeah, there were a bunch of responsible Canadian drunks, and I appreciate <laughs> that. But yeah, the the stadium was great. Uh, we had been to Ivor Wynn Stadium, which was the original stadium that was on, on that same spot, and uh, I I loved Ivor Wynn. It had a lot of character. It was like eighty years old, I think, when they finally tore it down. But uh, they tore it down, and they built this one uh, two years later uh, on the same spot. Um, really nice place. Uh, just can't can't say enough good things uh, about Hamilton. Really, really enjoyed our time there, and uh, looking forward to going back uh, maybe next year, and we'll take in another game over there. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our CFL talk for today. Yeah, and the whole week of uh, World of Football scoreboard. Okay. All right. So let's move on to some NFL news. Um, did you see this uh, on Twitter? No, I did not. The Atlanta Falcon Stadium roof uh, finally opened for the first time. And 60,000 fans were in attendance at a team practice when they did this. I didn't know that, that last year when they used it, they never opened the roof because it wasn't working. Hmm. And yeah, I hadn't heard that either. Yeah. And so I guess th- this past week with 60,000 fans watching a practice, they got it working and they opened the roof. And so they got to see what it looks like when this roof is actually working. So um, that was uh, you know good for them, but I, I didn't know that it didn't work all last year. Uh, in other NFL news... Um, actually AFL-NFL news, wide receiver Malachi Jones, who played for the Albany Empire of the Arena League, was actually signed by the Chicago Bears this week to their, uh, uh, well, not practice squad, but uh, they brought him into training camp and signed him to a contract. And uh, we got to see him when we went to Albany for a game. He's a great, he was their number two receiver and just did a great job. Um, And he is the brother of TJ Jones, uh, who plays for the Detroit Lions. So, um, Good luck to Malachi. I hope he uh, he sticks with the NFL. And, yeah, uh, he's a very uh, talented wide receiver. Very good. Yep, very good wide receiver. Uh, in some indoor news this week, uh, it was announced that uh, Arizona Rattlers head coach Kevin Guy is going to be the owner of a new indoor football team in Tucson, which is a couple hours south of Phoenix where the Rattlers play. Uh, right now the Arizona Rattlers play in the indoor football league and uh, they don't know where this new team is going to play. If it's going to be in, in the indoor league, is it going to be in Champions Indoor Football? Is it going to be an Arena Football League team? Uh, they have not announced that right now. But I just think it's kind of strange that a head coach of one team is going to be the owner of another team. Yeah, it seems a little, especially if it ends up being in the same league, mm-hmm. and, uh, which and makes me think it won't be the same league as the Rattlers end up being in. Well, yeah, I, I would think it would be in the same league. 
Or if they because they, that way they can play each other. Well, you know, why would you want to pl- coach one team and then own another? Unless he's going to leave that team to be the coach of the team he owns. I don't it's know. a very confusing mess, which leads me to believe that the Rattlers are going to come to the Arena League, and Tucson will be a replacement team in the Indoor Football League. Uh, we're going to write that down on our prediction <laughs> board, which doesn't actually exist. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a strange situation, but but the Rattlers came from the the Arena Football League. Kevin Guy coached in the Arena Football League when they you know when they last appeared there, and he's been with the team ever since. So it's kind of a weird situation going out there uh, in the desert of uh, Arizona. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that and we'll see what uh, what develops out there. All right, uh, I know you haven't seen any of these episodes from this year, but I finally finished uh, watching all of Last Chance U. Which just tells me that you have no time on, like you have <laughs> nothing important to do. Hey, I'm retired. I can I can binge watch all this stuff. I uh, just wanted to run down some of the highlights from this season. Uh, we got to episode three of this season. Uh, they got to play the number three uh, team in the country uh, and the defending champions, uh, Garden City, and uh, they beat them uh, 27 to 23. And uh, so we're, we're talking about the Independence uh, Community College, which uh, the Netflix show is actually following this year. Um, and I'm telling you, th- this is not a show for little kids because uh, F-bombs are everywhere, a lot of swearing, a lot of... Uh, a lot of vulgar language uh, on this show, but uh, uh, it's not for the little kids, but it's still very, uh, very interesting. Uh, in episode seven, the, the team got to go on a tour of Arrowhead Stadium, which was kind of cool um, to see these guys. They were, they were just in awe of Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. I'd love to see Arrowhead someday. Yeah. One of the, one of the cool things uh, about this, uh, the school and, and the coach and everything is uh, he makes some of the players wear pink in practice if they mess up in a game. So... You know, if the quarterback uh, throws too many interceptions or if somebody has a fumble or whatever, uh, they wear pink in practice the next week. Um, uh, the first loss of the season, uh, well, actually, the second uh, loss of the season came, uh, uh, well, they lost their first game of the season. And then they went on a seven-game winning streak and uh, finally lost a 31-27 to Butler later in the season. But I think they only had uh, two losses all season long, so they had a great season. Uh, they won their uh, first conference title since 1987. That's uh, Independence Community College. Uh, and they went on to play in the inaugural Midwest Classic Bowl game, um, which uh, they won, and it was their first bowl win in school history. They had a 9-2 and record, and they finished the season number four in the country. Uh, so uh, some of the players, uh, you know, always at the end of the series or the end of, the, you know, the eighth episode, they, uh, they'll let you know what happened to some of the players that you've watched. And... Uh, uh, one player went on to sign with the University of Arkansas. Another player signed with the University of Tennessee. Another one signed with the uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Several others signed with Division II schools. And then, sadly, one player that you followed all season long uh, got arrested uh, mm-hmm. in the offseason uh, for, for robbery. Uh, just unbelievable. Um, uh, one of the big things that uh, helped uh, Independence Community College during the show uh, is that they, they passed a new law in the state saying that uh, you could have an unlimited number of out-of-state um, recruits, hmm. where in the past, you know, you were limited to oh, 10 or whatever the number was. But now you could recruit all the people you wanted from anywhere in the country. And so they brought in a lot of talented kids to, uh, to be on their team. And uh, there was also a ninth episode, which was a, a special feature where they went back to on the first two seasons, and they talked about where were a lot of the people 
uh, from East Mississippi Community College. Uh, mainly they talked about Brittany Wagner, where she's at, and a couple of the players, uh, where they go and what happened to them. So uh, I highly recommend uh, Last Chance You. All three seasons have been pretty good. You know, we talked last week how it's, it's kind of the same format every year, you know, um, internal problems, players not liking the coach, they don't want to go to class, and, this and it's the same thing every year. But it was a new school, new people, and I, I still like it. I'm not sick of it yet. Yeah. So uh, check out Last Chance You on Netflix. All, all eight, eight uh, episodes are there right now. Yep, and starting next week, I'll be tackling uh, – we should be able to talk about it. Uh, let me just check the date here because I believe August 7th is the first episode. Okay, so we'll just miss it. Darn. But it'll be next Tuesday night is the first episode of uh, Hard Knocks. Oh, okay. So uh, – and that's with oh with Cleveland with the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland. So I look forward to talking about that every week. Okay, yeah. Uh, starting so I guess it'll be the fourteenth. We'll have the first episode to talk about because uh, of yeah we'll be late recording. Yeah. So okay. All right. Well, that's that's all I've got for uh, for news items. Uh, anything else that you? Uh, nope. Nothing's uh, really popped up on the radar yet. Okay. Uh, lastly, I do have a couple of obituaries, and ironically, these two guys. Uh, passed away on the same day last week. Uh, we're going to start with Frank Clark, who was a wide receiver in college and in the NFL. He passed away at the age of 84. Clark played college football at the University of Colorado and was selected in the fifth round of the 1956 NFL draft by the Cleveland Browns. He played for Cleveland from 1957 to 1959 and was then selected in an NFL expansion draft uh, in 1960 by the Dallas Cowboys. He was an original member of the Cowboys team and played in Dallas from 1960 to 1967. His final game was the famous Ice Bowl game versus the Green Bay Packers. Clark was the first African-American to play at Colorado, and he was inducted into the school's Hall of Fame in 2008. The other guy that passed away the same day, which was July 26th, was Willie Brown, a tailback and a flanker who won national championships as a player and as a coach in college. He passed away at the age of 76. Brown played college football at USC and was part of the school's 1962 national championship team. He was selected in the third round of the 1964 NFL draft by the Los Angeles Rams. He played for the Rams in 64 and 65, and then he played for the Philadelphia Eagles in 1966. Brown returned to USC as an assistant coach and won two more national championships in 1972 and 74 with the team. He was also an assistant baseball coach at USC and won two college World Series titles as a coach in 1969 and 1970. So condolences to the families of Frank Clark and to Willie Brown. All right, and that brings us up to this week's history lesson. And this should be a good history lesson for you, son, because you said you've never heard of the wishbone offense. Uh, if I have, uh, it wasn't called the wishbone offense <laughs> or the wishbone formation. All right. Well, this is the 50th anniversary of the debut of the wishbone offense back in uh, 1968. And uh, legendary college football coach Daryl Royal uh, had suffered through three mediocre seasons at the University of Texas and he was looking for a new offense to get the Longhorns back on the winning track. Royal tasked one of his assistant coaches by the name of Emery Bellard uh, with coming up with a solution to the team's losing ways. Bellard was a former high school coach in Texas and had won three state titles. The Longhorns were quite deep at running back that year, 
and Ballard decided to place three running backs in the backfield. A fullback was placed directly behind the quarterback, and two halfbacks were split behind the fullback, making a Y formation. The triple option offense could be run either to the right or left, keeping defenses guessing who would get the ball and which direction were they going. But things did not go well for the wishbone at first. Uh, in the first game against Houston, the game ended in a 20-20 tie. In game two of the 68 season against Texas Tech, the Longhorns found themselves down 21-0 at halftime. Royal decided to make a change at quarterback. Bill Bradley was out, and in walks James Street. Street was a natural to run the offense and got the offense moving, and they came close, but they still lost to Texas Tech 31-22. The next week, one more minor adjustment was made. The fullback was moved back slightly, giving the line, lineman a chance to establish their blocks before the fullback hit the line of scrimmage. In the next three weeks, the Longhorns beat Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. After the Arkansas game, Royal was asked, what was he going to call this new offense? A reporter from the Houston Bo Post by the name of Mickey Herkowitz said the formation kind of looked like a wishbone, and the rest is history. The Texas Longhorns went on to have a 33-game regular season winning streak over the next three years, and they won back-to-back -back college football national championships in 1969 and 1970. Oklahoma began using the wishbone offense in 1971, and the Sooners also won national championships in 1974 and 1975. Alabama began using the wishbone in 1971 and won national championships in 1973, 1978, and 1979. Texas A&M hired Ballard as their head coach in 1972 in hopes of bringing the wishbone offense there. Ballard passed away in 2012 at the age of 83. Today, only a handful of teams use the wishbone, but among among those teams are Georgia Tech and the three service academies, Army, Navy, and Air Force. As for Bill Bradley, the quarterback who was replaced at Texas before the wishbone really took off, he was selected in the third round of the 1969 NFL Draft by the Philadelphia Eagles, who switched him to defensive back. He enjoyed a nine-year career in the NFL and made the Pro Bowl three times in 1971, 72, and 73. And their son is your history of the wishbone offense fascinating but uh i would was thinking it was called the just the option offense it was called something else because like i've uh, seen there, there is an option but there's a definite wishbone offense where you've got three running backs in a v formation behind the quarterback and you know you he can hand the ball to any one of those three guys it can be run right it can be run left it's uh it's mostly associated with texas you know, the Texas Longhorns, they originated it, they perfected it, uh, but a lot of schools use some sort of variation. Even today, you'll find uh, various variations of the, of the wishbone offense, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a part of football history. Hey, yeah, never knew it by that name, but of course, we've all seen the option. Mm -hmm. so. Yep. All right, moving on to some upcoming events. August 2nd. That's this Thursday night. I can't believe it. Two days from now. I cannot believe it. The we, Hall of we Fame. We have NFL preseason action. Yep. The Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. The Baltimore Ravens against the Chicago Bears. NFL preseason is here, folks. Uh, our long national nightmare is over. <laughs> <laughs> or the perception of the long national nightmare. Yeah. I mean, come on. We've been talking for 51 weeks. Yep. We've had football every week. So. Yes. Well, that's because football snobs don't pay attention to anything else but the NFL. So, uh, uh, 
you know, we, we have the advantage of having been to games already this year, seen seen football. So it, it's not as big a deal for us to see the NFL. Yeah, we got our we got our drug uh, year round. That's all right. these other people are ignoring all the good that's stuff right. that's out there. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, when I was your age and younger. I used to just foam at the mouth waiting for the NFL season to get here. And now, I mean, since, since I watched the USFL in the 80s and, and all these other leagues, the Arena League, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, yeah, the NFL's starting up. Great, good deal. But, you know, I'm, I'm not just chomping at the bit for more football because I get it 12 months a year. Yep, and now we're going to get NFL and college starting up. So yep. And yep. high school. And high school, so. Yeah, I, just, I drove by your old high school today, and the band was out practicing uh, for the – Oh, the marching season already, man. <laughs> Band camp is is in full bloom. <laughs> All right, continuing with upcoming events, August fourth, uh, the National Arena League regular season comes to an end. So uh, next week is the last week of their regular season, and they'll be into the playoffs. Uh, Jan- or August twenty fifth, the college football season begins. That's for the FBS division, and uh, somewhere between August twenty fifth and twenty seventh will be the. National Arena League Championship game. So they'll be done by the end of next month. And that's all I have for this week. And there's no, still no news. Okay. So, all right. yeah, wow, what a jam-packed week. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, light, light on news, but, I mean, we had a heck of a story about oh, our yeah. trip. So. Yeah, a lot of fun. I've been, I think it, I figured out it had been six years since I had been to Canada. Uh, the last I, time I was there was 2012. And that was the last season of Iverwind Stadium, and okay. I wanted to see it one last time. So it looked like for me, yep. it's been about six years. So yeah, yeah, or eight years maybe. I forget. I, yeah, I you and I up. went to Iverwind, but it wasn't the last time yeah. that I went there. So I want to say it's been eight years for me. Then. It could be. Could very well be. All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. Uh, if you learned something on today's podcast, we've succeeded in our mission. Uh, send us an email at info at theworldoffootball.com. Uh, you can like the World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, where we post a lot of unique stories and pictures, as well as videos. Videos. <laughs> I don't know why I blanked on that. From all over the world of football. You can also follow us on Twitter. The address there is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. So please subscribe, rate, review, and let us know what you think. And please tune in next week for the one-year special. I don't know what's going to be in it, what we're going to talk about, uh, what I'm going to be asked to do before the show. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll just run down a lot of the highlights from this past year, the stories that we've uh, talked about over the last year, uh, run down some of the different football league champions uh, that we've uh, talked about. Uh, just kind of a, a recap of, of this past year of us, uh, the podcast, and, and what, we, what we came across this past year. And maybe, hopefully, what we plan on doing in the future. And, and a look towards the future, yes. All right, well, that's all I got. All right, join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. And I'm Adam Snow. And we'll see you next week. Play clock at three. Matthews got it back. Sets, looks, throws. He's got Golden Tate who makes the catch. Inside the 15. Inside the 10. And he's breaking away. He's into the end zone. Pack the bags. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions.